Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings so that they are like us. Let them rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. And let them rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them to be like himself. He created them as male and female. God blessed them. He said, Have children so that there will be many of you. Fill the earth and bring it under your control. Rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky. Rule over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I am giving you every plant on the face of the whole earth that produces its own seeds. I am giving you every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. All of them will be given to you for food. I am giving every green plant as food for all the land animals and for all the birds in the sky. I am also giving the plants to all the creatures that move along the ground. I am giving them to every living thing that breathes. And that's exactly what happened. God saw everything he had made, and it was very, very good. Thank you, Micah. Let's give it up for Micah for sharing that passage with us. Thanks, man. Thank you. We are continuing what we're calling All Request Summer. Your requests for the subjects that we'll be teaching and preaching about and learning about together this summer have all come in. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the subject of taking care, good care, of God's creation. Our Adventure Week theme is wildlife. All the next four nights, starting tomorrow night, we're going to be looking not only at the wild creatures that God has created, but the wild and wonderful ways he works in our lives. And so this morning, I'm preaching part one of the sermon, and uh, Amy Christman, our next-gen kids minister, will be preaching part two. And together, we're going to tackle this request that came in, the subject of creation care, how we Christians can think about caring for the environment. And we really tip our hand right out Uh, from the start here, because we do indeed believe that the earth, indeed this whole universe, is a creation. It is a creation that God is a creator, in fact, the creator. And that God created the farthest flung stars, He created this whole world and all of its beauty and biodiversity, and He created you and me. In fact, All of us this morning could take just a second, and kids, you can do this too. Just stop and think for a moment. Look at your hands and think about all the wonders that is this human body that you walk around in, and then think about how wonderful you are, because guess what? You are wonderful, okay? Think about how wonderful you are, and then realize God made me. God made me. I am God's creation. And we believe that not only is God a creator, but he gives us a role and a responsibility in this creation he's given us. In fact, here would be our main idea this morning. Uh, We are to be stewards of a wondrous world that reflects God and meets our needs. Micah read for us from Genesis chapter 1 about how God made human beings in his own image and that He then gives them this chance to, as he puts it, rule over the creation 
that he gives. In Genesis chapter 2, we get kind of a retelling of the creation story, but it zooms in on the human beings themselves. And there's this part in verse 15 in which God speaks, uh, God is, is uh, uh, interacting with Adam, the very first human. It says, The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Now, there's a couple of verbs here that really stand out that deserve our attention. This first one is to tend or to work the creation, to, uh, to see produce from it. And we read about that certainly in that passage. We heard that in that passage that Micah read. So the first is to make the most of the creation that we've been given. But also there's this second verb to watch over it or to guard it, preserve it, take care of it is how it's often translated. So theologians call this the creation mandate. Uh, it is the, our first and original vocation. It's the very first job we humans were given to do by God, and that is to take care of the wondrous world that He has given us. In other words, God plants us in a garden and then tells us to take care of that garden in tune with God, the giver of that garden. That's a picture of humanity in the way God wants uh, you know, what he has in mind for us when he thinks about us and creation. Now, this creation mandate was given, you might notice, before what we call the fall, when human beings decided to go their own way and ignore God, and, and sin enters the world. This mandate was given before the fall, so it tells us something important about what it originally meant to be human in God's world. In the shadow, though, of Genesis 3, where we do see the fall, we live in that shadow, it's easy to see only abuse of authority and of power. Uh, the fall disorders our drives and our desires as human beings. This is true in every area of life, including the area of creation care. Now, our tendency, as human beings generally, will be to extract and exploit for profit and greed and comfort and ease all we can get from this creation that God has given us. We heard repeatedly in that passage from Genesis 1, let them, human beings, rule or reign over creation. And that was repeated throughout. This is clearly something that God has in mind for His creation, uh, us human beings. But that idea of authority, that idea of, idea of reigning or ruling, that's not an excuse for careless and destructive greed, right? We are not to rule as tyrants over creation, tyrannizing this gift that we've been given, turning the garden into a desert. But instead, we have to remember that anytime the Bible talks about authority, and man, do we get this wrong as human beings, and sometimes even as Christians in the church, when the Bible talks about authority, it's not talking about power, as in now we get to power up over other people, or we get to be powerful and, make, uh, and, and, and really exploit creation or anything or anyone else. Authority always equals responsibility. And that's what real authority looks like. We have a responsibility in love to care for, and that is what authority really speaks to. And so, we realize we're not the owners of creation. Rather, we are stewards of it. Remember, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so we're stewards. We're those people put in charge on behalf of another. 
And that's the grid through which we should look at this idea of the environment or creation care. It is certainly a biblical and God-centered issue because we believe uh, that the environment is the creation of God. So you cast aside, set aside any other kinds of ways that, that these issues have been politicized or maybe some ways the media has tried to maybe get us to think about these things and just realize as people who love God, we're talking about a thing that God made and that God gives to us. As image bearers of God, again from Genesis 1, we realize that we're put here on earth to reign or to rule graciously and benevolently in the name of the one true king, to share in God's wise rule of this earth that he has made. In a way, you might think about this as kind of a divine project. I mean, God has created this earth and then put us on it, wants to have a relationship with us, and has given us this environment in which to live that is not only uh, resourceful and sustaining, but beautiful as well. Our uses of the earth, then, must be intended to conserve this great thing that we've been given and renew it rather than deplete or destroy it. There are some beautiful words written in Psalm chapter 8 that go like this. I think about the heavens. I think about what your fingers have created. Speaking to God. Think about God's fingers creating all that we see. I think about the moon and the stars that you've set them in place. What are human beings that you think about them What is the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You placed on them a crown of glory and honor. You made human beings rule over everything your hands created. There's that very thought reaching all the way back to Genesis 1 and now here uh, in the Psalms. You made human beings rule over everything your hands created. You put everything under their control. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This gives us a proper framework through which we can look at this wondrous creation that we've been given, that He is the Lord of it all. I grew up in church singing a hymn that started out, for the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love from which our birth over and around us lies. Meaning that we feel the embrace of God's love through even the beauty of the earth. Christ our Lord, we would sing, to you we raise. This our hymn of grateful praise. That seeing the wonders of God's creation caused us to be thankful and to praise Him. And that's been happening since the very beginning. So if Jesus is Lord, which is what we just saw declared, God is the Lord of all the earth. His name is magnificent and marvelous. He's the creator of all things. If Jesus, as we know, is the Lord of all the earth, we cannot separate our relationship to Him to how we relate to the earth that He's given us. To proclaim the gospel is to say Jesus is Lord. He's a king. He's in charge of it all. He's worthy of all honor and praise. He's he's the center of our lives. To proclaim that gospel, that includes the earth. He's Lord of the earth. And since Christ's lordship is over all creation, then we see creation through the lens of that lordship. You can think about it like this. Christ restores us 
to our pre-fall realities, right? We talked about the fall in Genesis 3 when human beings decided to do their own thing and reject God. In all ways, Christ came so that when, as we place our faith in him, he restores us to life before the fall. That's really what this whole thing is about, is bringing us back to that garden, to that unhindered relationship. And yes, then a proper perspective of how to think about and care for creation. We are stewards of a wondrous world that reflects our God and meets our needs. Now this creation, we said, reflects God, so it can't be treated poorly or taken lightly or for granted. When we degrade creation, we disrespect its creator. In Romans chapter 1, we read, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. This is a powerful passage that reminds us that God is revealing Himself, His majesty, His wonder, His benevolence to us through His creation. We don't worship the creation, but we do worship the Creator. And we realize that creation points us to that Creator. We, so that means we can't look with indifference at all the plastic in the oceans or the toxins in the rivers or the pollutants in our air because we know the One who made all this. We know Him. We love Him. We, we consider Him to be the Lord of all the earth. He's the most important part of our whole lives. And more than that, He's asked us to care. He's tasked us with caring. Here's a way, one way I could illustrate it. I think of how much I love my dad. And then I think how I would feel if he decided, let's say, to move and to rent the family farm to someone who just trashed it, who just let it go didn't take care of it, you know, and, and, did, and just trashed the whole place. Man, I have to admit, I would find that distressing, if not intolerable. I mean, I would need to do something about that. I would not find that something that I could tolerate. I can't help but wonder if that's not a bad analogy to how uh, our Father has given us this world, a wondrous world that reflects Him and meets our needs. This is where we bring in the ethic of love. The ethic of love should inform everything we do as Christians, and certainly it applies to this as well, because the earth is a precious gift. It is the very space God provided on which we are to live and flourish. And this same space that Jesus, God incarnate, came and visited, and to which he will one day return. We'll actually tackle the subject of Jesus' return next week. And so what that means is human thriving and the common good are something that we Christians should take seriously. Why? Because we're called to love people. And so when we know that things that we do as a society or as people or as, as human beings, when we know that we're damaging the environment in a way that makes water unclean or air hard to breathe, we realize that's making the lives of people made in God's image, that's making the lives of people we're called to love and care about harder, not easier that they're being hurt or damaged in ways that we uh, should pay attention to. That greed and power deface and discount life and flourishing. But we are stewards of a world that reflects God and provides what's good. And we're called to take care of it. Kids, kind of like when your parents or your grandparents or whoever might be taking good care of you tells you to take care of your toys, 
or your room, right? You are a steward of your bedroom. You're a steward of your toys. And we're called to take care of whatever it is that we've been given. And friends, we have been given something wonderful in God's creation. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. In Romans chapter 8, we read this really interesting passage where Paul really takes, talks about creation and almost gives creation like it's, creation is its own person. It says, with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Meaning that that fall we talked about, it kind of turned down everything here in this world. That now we, you know, we're, we're subject to death and decay, to wrath, to, to, to rust and moth destroying and, 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 and the, the decay that is this life in the in-between. And Paul says that even all of creation, just like you and me, even all of creation is looking forward to a day when we're free from all of that. Imagine what creation will look like when it's turned up back up to 10, right? When we take communion each week, we're really pausing to look forward. We're pausing to realize that this, is not, this world is, as it is is not all there is. We're remembering that Jesus stepped into this world, gave His life on the cross, and that we, He's asked us to remember that when we take the bread and the cup. We join with creation as it joins with us in looking forward. So there are tables all around the perimeter of the auditorium this morning for us to, just in a moment after I pray, get up and as you're ready, feel free to take the bread and the cup. Parents, grandparents, caregivers, feel free to go to the communion stations with your children. And if they are young or just haven't taken that step of yet saying yes to Jesus and getting baptized, take this opportunity as you take communion, to let them know we do this to remember Jesus and how much He loves us. And if your children have taken that step of declaring Christ as Lord and Savior, embrace this opportunity to take communion together and celebrate your common faith and your common Lord. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You that You are the giver of good, good gifts, including this wondrous world that we live in. Father, we ask that You'd help us to have the, the wisdom and the insight to take good care of it, as that was human beings' first and most original mandate from You. Help us to not take that lightly, but to recognize what it means through the lens of Your Lordship, because You are Lord of our lives. If anyone's here today and that's something that's new to them or something, something that they're just exploring, then Lord, I ask that you would just uh, make them feel warm and welcome today, embraced by you in a safe place to explore the truth that you really are the King of the universe. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're ready, feel free to go and take communion at any of the station, any station near you. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 says, God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It is God's gift. It is not based on anything you have done. No one can brag about earning it. We are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for us to do.
Thank you, Emma. Awesome. What a beautiful verse. Thank you for reading that. And I'm excited to get to unpack it with you and build on what Rob said earlier, but maybe a little more kid's own style, a little more fun, a little more noise maybe, which is awesome. So Ephesians 2.10, we are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. So we're gonna get to the good works part here in a second, but first let's recognize what comes before the good works. The sentence starts with now and then finishes with good works. So when we're talking about a list of to-dos, we might say, because I've done, dot, 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 now I can, dot, dot, dot. So because we've loaded up the car, now we can leave. So when we read this verse, we know something had to happen for us to now be able to do good works. And that something is our salvation that Emma just read about and we reflected on during communion. God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Jesus. And because we are saved, because we are forgiven, and because we are made new, and we have received that gift of God's grace, now we can do good works. So when studying this verse, Dr. Thomas Constable said, good works are not the roots from which salvation grows, but the fruit God intends it to bears, which I'd simply put as good works are the fruits, not the roots. So think about a tree, you can picture a tree. The roots we know are what keep it healthy and growing. And if the tree is healthy and say it's an apple tree, it grows up and it produces apples. So now think about it as if we are saved believers, we're healthy trees, our salvation is our roots. We are grounded, literally in this metaphor if that works, by our identity as children who God has welcomed into his family. And because we are saved and we have a relationship with God, now we can bear the fruit of good works. So this works and salvation concept is kind of an age-old debate with Paul's writings that we don't wanna get twisted. Our roots are not good works. That if we do enough, we grow to produce the fruit of salvation. Our good works don't earn us salvation. Our salvation leads to good works. Good works are the fruits, not the roots. So I wanna pause here and I wanna answer an important question that might be raised. How do we stay rooted in God and know him? How do we ensure that our roots of salvation are not just a brief like surface level, one time saying yes to Jesus moment, but that once we say yes, our roots continue to grow deep and spread out and root us so that no storm can knock us down? I mean, there are many ways that we can stay rooted in God, but today as we talk about creation, it's the perfect time to share my favorite way it's to experience God's creation. I never feel more at peace and I can always find peace when I go into nature. I love visiting local parks. If you have a favorite local park, I would love to know about it and add it to my list if it's not already there. I get really excited when I find a new one. I would love to do that. I love to sit, hike, sometimes maybe more of a stroll and take in and appreciate God's creation. Maybe that's not your thing, and I understand that. Maybe you don't like the cold, or you don't like the humidity, or one bug is one bug too many, or allergies. I feel you. Any of you kids, if you've taken that whole allergy test thing, my top two allergies, grass, trees. I love creation, and I'm straight up allergic to it, but that doesn't stop me. I'll just take my box of Kleenexes with me. 
There are amazing pieces of nature all over the world, but even just right here in Indiana. Have you ever thought about just how many different kinds of trees there are at a park like Fort Bend? Or when you go there and you hear all the birds and how each and every bird has its own unique call and multiple depending on what they're calling for. I feel like this is where I quote Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon or asked the grinning bobcat why he grinned? But I'm going to stop there. It blows my mind when I slow myself enough to stop and to think about God created all of this. And why does finding the beauty and wonder in creation help us root ourselves deeper in God? Seeing and appreciating the art leads us to appreciating the artist. And I'm so excited to do that, specifically in the art track of Adventure Week this week. And all of those kids come together, and they all have the same instructions, but each and every one of them is going to create art that is unique to them and reflective of who they are. And that is even so more true for our God as we look at the creator of the universe and what he created. I don't know how you stop and see creation and not grow in your love and appreciation for the artist, God. So just a couple minutes ago, we started with Ephesians 2.10. We are God's creation. Now we can do good works. So let's get to this good works part here, this verse, and what these fruitful good works are. Now, in this verse, Paul is focusing on kind of the moral behavior that's expected for all of us as followers of Jesus. He goes into more detail later with Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, but they are the way of life, the road that we as Christians travel. And we could be here all day listing the potential fruit that can grow out of our roots and our relationship with God. But of course, today we're talking about creation care. Why is creation care an important good work? Because as Rob talked about, we need to be stewards of the world, caring for it so that it can continue to meet our needs. So quick question, anybody out there ever broken something? Yeah, right, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, or haven't told the person the thing you broke yet? Because have you ever broken something that belonged to someone else? Yeah, right, probably most of us. So quick story from when I was 10, I don't know how many of my 10-year-olds are out there, uh, this is a picture of my dad's workshop, and you can, it's kind of hard to see in the picture, but this right side here is cinder block. A softball bounces off of cinder block pretty well, so when I was home alone, didn't have anybody to throw with, I would throw my softball against my dad's workshop. And some of you are putting this together, a story about something that was broken, a softball, and a picture with a little tiny window. I broke the window. Obviously, it's not that big, but of course I managed to hit the window with my softball and it was broken. My dad didn't remember that, so kids, good news. If you've broken something recently, your parents probably won't remember in 20 years. Um, but why is that a problem? Because a broken window no longer keeps wind and rain and bugs out. A broken window, like a broken anything, no longer meets the need it was intended to meet. So if our world gets too broken, then it will no longer be able to meet our needs. So we have to take care of it. There are a lot of ways to do that. There are a lot of big, expensive things you can try and do, but we're going to spend today thinking about the little everyday things that each of us can do as we care for all parts of creation. Now, kids, students, I know it's summer, but we're going to take a little self-quiz here, so it's okay, you're out of school, um, and each of you brought your skill with you, whether you knew it or not, so thumbs up for always, 
thumbs sideways for sometimes, thumbs down for never. And you can be that person that goes like somewhere in between. So here's your first one. When I am at a park and I finish my Dairy Queen Blizzard, at least that's my choice, fill in your blank, I throw away my trash. I normally do pretty good at that. I turn off the lights whenever I leave an empty room to save energy. Normally do, unless I think I'm coming back and then I forget. If I have a pet, I always make sure he has the right amount of food and water. Caring for our pets is an absolute way to care for God's creation. I use my favorite water bottle whenever I can instead of a single-use bottle. I'm getting better at that. When I am taking a walk on the sidewalk and I see an empty chip bag someone else has left behind, I pick it up. That one's kind of tough, right? In general, most of us are pretty well conditioned to pick up our own mess, to throw away our own trash, but it takes a lot more effort, mostly mental effort, to convince ourselves to pick up after a stranger who we don't know. I think our gut reaction is to say, I didn't make that mess, why should I clean it up? So why? Simply put, as Rob's thesis statement said earlier, we are to be stewards of a wondrous world that reflects our God and meets our needs. Now, every week in Outlook Kids, we don't have a thesis statement per se. We have the big idea. So in shorter, simpler terms, today's big idea, we must take care of the home that God gave us. And there are many small but impactful ways that we can take care of our home. Over the past year or so, as I have run out of a cleaning product, I've been trying to make a more sustainable choice to replace it, like now purchasing bamboo toilet paper, which I promise feels the same, but bamboo grows in just months as opposed to the years and decades that it takes trees to grow. Or buying glass reusable spray bottles instead of plastic that I will recycle or sometimes just throw away. You don't have to do it all at once. But what's one change that you can make this week to better care for the home God gave us? So to wrap up here, let's focus on that home and return to where we started in the story of creation. But from the Jesus Storybook Bible, this should look familiar to many of you. We gift one of these Bibles to each kid that is dedicated here at Outlook by their family. And they get to read about how all the individual stories happen and how they come together to form one big story, the story of the world, God's story. And the pictures are great, but I also love the language it uses. And so as we look at the story of creation, it's titled, The Beginning, A Perfect Home. So it tells this story of creation, and God creates things. And then it says, God saw all that he had made, and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. And they would be his children. And the world would be their perfect home. Now, a lot has happened between this moment of creation and where we are today. But this beautiful gift from God is still our home, and we have to take care of it. So in a second here, we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to participate physically today. Normally, we fold our hands and we close our eyes so we can focus on Jesus. But today, as we close our eyes, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand here in a second. 
saying to God, I am in, volunteering that I am gonna do my part. And as we pray, I'm gonna ask you to participate in prayer in the way that we have our preschoolers pray every week by simply repeating each little phrase after me. So let's raise a hand and let's talk to God. Dear God, thank you for this world. It is wonderful and amazing, just like you. And right now, I promise to spend time figuring out how I can care for the home you gave us and then doing it. Help me to steward this earth because of my love and salvation that comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray.